Coming up on Blue 58, third down defense was a big problem for the Packers last season, but you may not have realized just how big. We try our hand at advanced stats and take a look at the over-unders for the Packers this season. On top of all that, we're going to take a crack at answering your questions. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the official podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, joined as I am every week by co-host Gary Zillavy, and we are powered by WTMJ Mobile. Gary, how are we doing tonight? It's a great day to be great, John. A great day indeed. Let's dive right in with headlines. We're starting with just two headlines this week because we've kind of got a split main topic this week. But first and foremost, talking third down defense for the Packers, the, the short version of this is that things were very bad on third downs for the the defense in uh, in 2016. You may not exactly have understood exactly how bad. They, it would, may have cost them, in fact, up to three different games that I've identified. On the blog, I took at three really alarming stats for how the Packers defense gave up bunches and bunches of yards on basically every third down situation. Third and short, they would give up more than the defense or than the offense actually had to get. Third and medium, same thing. And third and long was especially bad. On those third and long situations, when those offenses were facing third and seven to nine yards, the Packers allowed on average 9.96 yards per play. In short, they might as well have not played defense at all on the first two downs if they were going to be that bad in those situations. Gary, do you have reason to believe the Packers' third down defense is going to be better this coming season? Well, John, I think you kind of alluded to it. It almost can't get any worse. I think they're going to improve next year. I think that you're going to see uh, you know, some of these new additions that they've added. Um, but, but ultimately, I think what we've talked about a lot this offseason has been the pass rushes is ultimately going to play more of, a, of an impact on these third and longs and needs it to take a step up um, more, more so than maybe, maybe the secondary and more so than maybe people think. I think so too. And I think uh, just adding some athleticism to the defense is going to go a long way towards helping the Packers on third down. You can see some video of the plays that really were examples of the Packers being terrible on third downs. And the third and long one I think is especially telling because on that play, it's it's the Packers Redskins game from just before the run the table run started. The Packers were down just five points with about five minutes to go. Washington had the ball on their own 46-yard line facing a third and seven. And what happens? But Kirk Cousins completes a 53-yard pass right up the middle of the defense. And what's interesting to me about that is who the defender was that he picked on. The Redskins somehow got Joe Thomas, a linebacker, isolated on one of their wide receivers on a third and seven play, which just seems like something that absolutely should not happen and I think you've seen the Packers take steps to address that already by playing Josh Jones as an inside linebacker who for all of Joe is a much better athlete overall than Thomas is is that the sort of thing that you think could help the Packers I think so too and I think that it again we just got to get the best 11 guys on the field uh it's a cliche but uh ideally You'd love to see Jones out there a little bit more. Uh, you'd also like to see uh, those pass rushers, Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, uh, operating at full strength. I don't think we need to make a huge change, uh, but just a few things. Uh, a guy improves here, a guy improves there, and a little bit more consistency and and maybe you know take back one or two of these third and longs and 
But we're looking at a, a, a whole heck of a lot of better defense. Well, it's interesting that you said something that you identified as a cliche. I'm not sure if it's 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 as much of a cliche as you, as you might think it is. Obviously, the Packers want to have the their best 11 players on the field, but what those best 11 players are or who they are uh, could be a matter of some debate and, and could be a matter of philosophy. And we, we'll get to that as we answer a couple questions later on in the podcast. I wanted to tell you a little bit about a new initiative here at the Power Sweep as we headed into headline number two. We're putting together a few of our own, uh, what I'm calling advanced stats or, or different metrics in hopes of helping people understand the NFL a little bit better. I think there's a big problem in the in the stats movement, which has won the war. There is no more debate between scouts and stats anymore. The stat heads have won. But I think there's there's still a shortcoming in the world of stats where people use these numbers or, or throw out these supposedly advanced stats without explaining what they mean or why they're significant. What we're trying to do in developing a few of our own stats that we want to track is helping people understand the game a little bit better. It's been really helpful at, at points in my life when people have done that for me, and we want, kind of want to pass that along to some other people too. And maybe we'll spend some time highlighting a couple of, of stats that are meaningful or we think are meaningful, um, at least in, in our own re- research and things like that. And Gary, I wanted to ask you if there was any particular NFL advanced stat or metric that you like to look at or one that, that stands out to you. Well, I think uh, one that that I kind of discovered late last year in the playoff run that I thought was pretty interesting was um, was the ball hawk stat. That was a pretty neat one. I think so. Not much of an advanced stat, it, but it isn't. But also, it kind of is because it, it combines some things that you might not think of as being important, and it's a, it's a good place to start. And we'll actually have a piece going up on the on the ball hawk stat uh, later this week at thepowersweep dot com. So keep an eye out, a keen eye out, perhaps. For that one as well. Uh, one that jumps out to me is one that that is not something we're going to be calculating, but something you can see very easily at profootballreference.com. Adjusted net yards per pass attempt. And this is a little bit more complicated than just how many yards uh, does a team get or expect to get um, every time their quarterback throws the ball. This factors in uh, passing yards, sacks, or yards lost to sacks, touchdowns, and interceptions, uh, combined with uh, how many times a quarterback is dropping back. So basically, it's it's putting a number on on how much you can expect to get in terms of yardage every time your quarterback drops back, not just time, every time he releases the ball. This one came to mind or came, I guess, into the public eye uh, as Matt Ryan was putting the finishing touches on his MVP campaign last season, he put together a league best and one of the best, in fact, of all time, uh, adjusted net yards per attempt lines of 9.03 adjusted net yards per attempt. He had a phenomenal season, and that's that's one of the things that people use to kind of bolster his case. So long story short, we're going to be taking a look at a few of those stats and uh, trying to to clear things up for a few people. Uh, and for and I guess for our own edification too as well. So if there's anything that you want us to take a particular look at, drop us a line, uh, get in touch with us. We'll do our best to come up with a stat that maybe answers one of your questions. Before we dive into our main topic and take a look at a few of our questions, uh, the questions that you sent in today, I wanted to uh, make you aware of something that we've talked about a few times before on the podcast and wanted to bring it to your attention again, signing up for our email list. Our emails uh, come out once a week. They let you know when we have a new episode of Blue 58 
going up on the site uh, in your iTunes feed, wherever you get it. You'll be able to find out about it uh, via the weekly newsletter. And we'll drop in a couple other interesting notes and nuggets from the blog throughout the week. Some things that we want you to be aware of. It's really easy for you to sign up. It's going to take you five to 10 seconds at most. Go to the homepage of thepowersweep.com and look for the sign up box on the right side of the homepage. Enter your email address and you will be done. That will be it. And we promise we will never spam you. You're going to get one email a week from the Power Sweep, and that's it. Uh, we're doing our best to try to take care of your email address as best as we can. So just sign up. It'll help you stay in touch with the with the Power Sweep and everything that we're doing there. And uh, it'll, it'll help you stay a little bit dialed in to the things that you may not have uh, caught if you're not following us on all of our social media accounts throughout the week. Anyway, sign up. Do it today. It's not going to take you very long. On with the show. Gary, we've been talking about this behind the scenes for a few weeks now, and it's time to finally unveil it. It's our over-unders for the 2017 Packers. We're going to take a look at a few different over- or under-situations as we head into the 2017 season, and it's a real easy question. We'll give you a number, and you have to predict whether the Packers are going to get more of whatever that particular stat is or less of whatever that particular stat is. Sound good? Sounds good to me. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. So first over under, Gary, that I'm going to throw your direction is, direction is over or under two rookie running backs on the first version of the 53-man roster. Wow. Uh, I think that we're probably going to – I'll take the over. So so there's four right now on the roster. So I, I think that at the very least uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are going to make it. And I would venture a guess that one of the other two, uh, Mays or Standback, is going to stand up uh, over Joe Carriage. So uh, I'll take the over. I was actually going to say the under. I think you may have convinced me a little bit there. Sometimes I forget about Aaron Jones, even though he was one of my favorite draft picks early on. I've become kind of infatuated with William Standback because of uh, kind of his athletic profile there. I'd lend, I still think it's going to be two or more as opposed to two or less. Uh, but if I had to pick one, I guess maybe I would pick the pick the under. So I guess I'm, I'm flip-flopping already in the span of uh, one piece of analysis here. It, <laughs> I, the Packers were light on running backs last year, and I think they may tend towards that again this year, but who knows? Um, I, I'm not convinced that they're, they're always as settled on all of their draft picks as, as they, they like to believe that they are. A few of those running backs came very, very late. And, uh, I mean, you look at Devontae Mays, who, who's big and powerful, but um, he and Isaiah St- or, uh, William Standback um, may be closer to the outside looking in already. And if they get more than, than two rookie running backs on the roster, I wonder if they're really going to get any significant playing time anyway. But uh, you could be right. So uh, we're split on that one. We'll say we're split on the over-under so far. Second over-under, we're sticking with running backs. Gary, over or under 800 rushing yards for Ty Montgomery uh, Montgomery this season? So 800 is an interesting number because that means we're going to average about 50 per game over the 16-game schedule of the Packers. So off the top of my head, I'm going to take the under. I think that Montgomery is going to be challenged to get rushing yards this year because I, I think the Packers are just going to lean on these younger guys to see what they have. I think they're going to get a lot of carries. I think Montgomery certainly has over 800 total yards, 
but I'll take the under as far as rushing yards are concerned. I think I will take the over, but if he's going to be over, I'm not going to say, I'm going to say it's not going to be by much. He only went over 80 yards once all of last season, and he was really a running back from about week six or so on, or game six or so on, from the time the Packers played the Bears the first time to the end of the season, he was basically a running back. In that stretch, he only had one game over 80 yards or over 60 or 50 yards, three over 50, one over two over 60, one over 100. He doesn't put up big numbers, and I, I think you make a good point there. It may be more of a yards from scrimmage question for Montgomery this year or this year than a total rushing yards. But I think he will be in that 50 yards per game sort of area. Mike McCarthy, for as much as he preaches wanting to get multiple running backs involved, isn't always the best at actually doing it. I think Montgomery would be the Packers' first choice uh, for carrying the ball most of the time, and I I think he's going to have every opportunity to get over. I would say over, but not by much. Here's one that we talked a little bit about last week. Gary, you weren't here uh, on the podcast last week, but we talked about Clay Matthews. He has not gone to double-digit sacks, but once in the past four seasons. Do you think Clay Matthews will have over or under 10 sacks in 2017? I think he's going to have under, and here's why. I just don't think there's a strong enough threat constantly between Perry, Vince Beagle, J. Ron Elliott, uh, even guys like Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels. I don't think that they represent enough of a significant threat uh, opposite Matthews. Uh, I think offenses are still going to be able to put two or three guys on on Matthews and, and bottle them up. So uh, I'll take the under, but again, I, I I sure hope I'm wrong. Our first agreement, because I am saying under as well for a couple seasons. You mentioned offenses putting two or three guys on Clay Matthews. Sure, he was injured last year, but for most of the season, he wasn't a guy that offenses even had to put two guys on. They could get by with just one-on-one blocking Clay Matthews and kind of letting him run himself out of the play. I don't think he's the kind of pass rusher that's going to get in that 11, 12, 13 sack range anymore. I think the Packers need to use the threat of him as a pass rusher all over the formation, but just lining him up and letting him run is not something that I think he's he's suited to do anymore, and I don't think that's going to result in big sack numbers for Matthews. Now that said, he could still be an effective pass rusher even if he's not getting to that 10 sack plateau because sacks aren't the be-all, end-all as far as pass rushing, but it still would be nice to see him get to that number. Speaking of bigger numbers, uh, the Packers haven't had a lot of contributions in the way of scoring from their tight ends in quite some time, but that could be changing with Martellus Bennett joining the offense this season. Gary, over under eight touchdowns for Martellus Bennett this year. Well, I'm going to be consistent here, and and I I wrote in a a piece uh, on the power sweep that I think Martellus Bennett has a good chance of leading the Packers offense in receiving touchdowns, and I I'm going to take the over. I think he's likely in double digits. I think uh, the Packers have a tendency inside the five-yard line to pass instead of run, and uh, Bennett certainly has um, made a lion's share of his touchdown grabs inside the red zone and specifically in the inside the 10-yard line. Uh, so I'll, I'll take the over. Uh, I'm banking on a big a big year from the Packers offensively. I think I'm going to take the under, but that's mostly because of 
uncertainty about exactly how the Packers will use a tight end like Martellus Bennett in their offense. The last time we saw a real threat from the tight end position in the red zone had to have been Jermichael Finley. He scored actually all but one of his touchdowns in his career from within 20 yards of the, of the end zone, which is a little bit shocking to me. That's 95. That is shocking. It's 95%. I wouldn't have guessed it was that much, but uh, it, it was surprising to me. I just looked that up just now. Um, but it's been since 2013, since he was a, a full-time threat for the Packers it's it's hard to put a, a a number on how much the Packers' offense has changed since then. I think it's significantly different. I couldn't tell you exactly how, but I, I feel like it pretty much has to be. It's hard to to guess at how much Mortellus Bennett is going to get in terms of opportunities to score in the red zone. I would think it would be a lot, but I I really have no way uh, of knowing for sure. And uh, so I'm going to have to take the under just just out of out of uncertainty. For our final over-under, Gary, I'm going to throw, I guess, a, a more gambling-specific one at you for the over-under. Over or under 12.5 wins for the Packers this season. And I say 12.5 to force you to say either the Packers are going to have 12 wins or less this season or 13 wins or more. Which do you think? Over-under 12.5. Boy, this is a hard one. I'm going to say under. I'm going to take the under. Uh, and and the reason I'm going to take the under is because of the quality of quarterbacks the Packers are playing this year. I believe at last count there were seven Super Bowl quarterbacks that the Packers have on their ro- on their schedule this year. Uh, you've got guys like Russell Wilson. You've got the elite Joe Flacco. You've got Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Matt Ryan. I think there's the the competition for Green Bay defensively at quarterback is going to be. Um, going to be pretty steep this year. So uh, as much as I like their chances, I am going to have to take the under begrudgingly. Well, you don't have to take it begrudgingly because I think the numbers are actually on your side. I'm going to take the under as well. Looking back to the mid-90s, Gary, since the since the Packers last went to the Super Bowl with Mike Holmgren, so in the 1997 season, they went 13-3. and After that season... The Packers have only gone 13 and 3 or better in the regular season twice. Once in 2007, Brett Favre's last season with the Packers, and once in 2011 when the Packers went 15 and 1. It takes a lot of work and a lot of things going your way to win better than 75% of your games in a single NFL season. I'm going to say the under uh, the Packers won't win more than 12 games this season, and I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Did I ease your mind at all on your prediction? My mind is eased, but I just have it stuck in my head that if we win 13 or more games, we win the Super Bowl. And I guess 2011 should have should have cured those ails, but um, I still have it stuck in my head that if we get to... We get to 13, we're, we're golden. Well, for that matter, uh, 2007 also and 1997. They, they also went 13 and 3 and better and didn't win the Super Bowl. I'm hanging on to 1996 and I'm never letting go. Why should you let go? The past was glorious and we should never, never move on from it. We've got <laughs> And always twirl towards freedom. Always, always, always. So we tried something new this week. We asked uh, a couple of you to submit some questions for the podcast, and I think we're going to try to do this a little bit more frequently because I like answering questions that people actually have and that I'm confident that people have. 
we always try to structure the things that we do on the podcast and the blog around what we what we think people want to be learning about or what they should be thinking about. But sometimes it's actually helpful to hear what people actually have to say. Gary, Josh Svensson asks on Facebook, which rookie running back do you think will make the biggest impact this year? And we touched on this part a little bit earlier, or for that matter, which ones will even make the 53? You touched on the second part earlier, but which rookie do you think is going to make the biggest impact this year? I like Aaron Jones. I think he brings uh, I think he brings a change of pace from uh, Ty Montgomery. I think that he um, certainly has more experience running out of shotgun. Uh, I, I think I think a lot of people are are down on Aaron Jones because he was drafted after Jamal Williams and they just assume Jamal Williams will be the you know the lead dog. Um, don't be so quick to count out Aaron Jones. Uh, he's my, now last year I was pretty high on Trevor Davis and look how that turned out, but I, I really like Aaron Jones and I think he's going to make a big impact in a big way. I'm with you on Jones, even though as I said earlier in this very episode that I, I forget about him sometimes. Um, I think he has an opportunity to really contribute as a receiver. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. He runs routes like a wide receiver, you see him running routes out of the backfield that you would typically see from someone at the receiver position. And I think that's just going to be a huge factor in the Packers offense. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to how he factors in to the Packers offense this year. Gary, there's a lot in this next question from Robert Arthur on Facebook. Um, so just just listen to this and and react to what you hear here. Uh, he says, we touched on this in the last episode but I'm interested in the evolution of the 3-4 Dom Capers, Dick LeBeau zone blitz defense from one that emphasizes the linebacker position to one that emphasizes the safety position. In particular, the inside linebacker positions are losing importance, while the strong hybrid safety position appears to be taking over those snaps. Other 3-4 teams like the Cardinals have done this, but Capers' scheme was famous for depending on linebackers to be the stars of the defense. I'm fascinated to see how he changes that to include more safety type bodies. Now that's not a question per se, but is there anything in there you want to take a crack at? Well, I'll let you handle the schematic portion of this question, John, but I do think an important uh, consideration uh, when thinking about the future of, of, of NFL defenses is what kind of players are, are, is the NFL getting from the college game? And what kind of, of, of players are the college game getting from, from the high school game? I think your best athletes are, are, are playing more safety than they are linebacker now. And I think there are body types that maybe would have played linebacker that are now playing safety in those lower levels. And as a result, we've seen guys like Deion Buchanan. Uh, in, in a way, Josh Jones is a good example. Uh, body type of a, of a linebacker, but with a little more athleticism enough to play the safety position. Uh, as such, you know, teams are passing more in those lower le- lower levels. Uh, the spread offense in college is certainly dominating. In the high school game, there's a lot of uh, no huddle that's that's kind of causing some 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 trouble. So, uh, your best athletes uh, for for teams are typically in the secondary. So, I do think that we'll start to see, uh, and we have seen, and will continue to see the best athletes defensively coming at the secondary position, specifically at safety. Uh, I think that trend's going to continue into the, into the future. 
Uh, and I and I do think you're going to find it harder and harder to find that prototypical Dom Capers inside linebacker. I think so too. And I, I actually wonder if, if Robert saw the same thing that I saw this week. Uh, Dick LeBeau was, was talking about his his defensive scheme. And if you if you know the roots of what's called the the, the zone blitz scheme that Dick LeBeau and Dom Capers were, were famous for developing with the Pittsburgh Steelers that kind of spread throughout the rest of the league, uh, you know that it's it's very dependent on zone defenses. You you use fewer people to cover larger areas of the field so that you can bring other players on blitzes from creative positions on the field. Well, Dick LeBeau is talking this week and, and says he may be interested in, in shifting to more man-to-man related concepts in in an effort to to still get those same results from blitzing. Now, Dom Capers has, has been very inflexible with how he uses his scheme, especially over the past couple of years, and his fans become more educated about what exactly it's supposed to do. He's gotten a little bit more specific heat about the way he uses his defense. I'm very interested to see, like Robert is, uh, how Capers changes his defense this year to maybe be a little bit more flexible in terms of the personnel he uses. I think uh, Mr. Arthur's point is well taken that uh, the linebacker position is diminishing in importance. It's it's definitely not the same as it was, you know, even three years ago, certainly not five or ten years ago. You don't see that big thumping middle linebacker um, anymore. That's just That just doesn't exist anymore. Even in a 3-4 defense where they have to soak up more blocks or more bodies, uh, from the interior line. So I, I think just by necessity, Capers is going to have to play more of those smaller, faster guys, even at inside linebacker. And it'll be interesting to see where that goes this season with some more athletic players on the roster. Finally, Gary will conclude with one question from Luke Whitman on Twitter, who asks, which packing company packs well enough to pack the Packers? I don't know. I think you always have to go with UPS. Uh, give them first crack at it, but I've had a lot. Of- oh, I you know Luke's joke was too smart for me there. I was I I I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get it. Sometimes you just can't overthink it. Have you ever been to a FedEx store? More than I'd care to admit to. One of my weird fascinations in life is office supplies. I can't exactly explain it. It's probably a weird thing to admit, but I like organizing and putting things in their right place and things like that and. So I like packing companies. So maybe maybe I will go with FedEx over UPS. But the UPS store are also very nice too. So those would have to be my two top choices. I don't know about you. Well, I like the uh, I like FedEx Office because uh, used to be a Kinkos guy back in the day. Kinkos, yeah, that reminds me of a Mitch Hedberg joke that I won't try to. That's fine. Repeat word for word, but it, he always thought it was amusing that Kinkos was open at two in the morning like why is a kinko's store open 24 hours a day like you ever wake up for people like me wake up in a cold sweat at two in the morning like oh crap i gotta have two of something oh yeah <laughs> kinko's <laughs> gary well i got you here we were talking a little bit off the air today about paul horning uh the packers great from the lombardi era even predating vince lombardi the the thing about Paul Horning that you always hear is how great he was uh, in the clutch. Vince Lombardi said that himself and within the 20 yard or within 20 yards in the red zone, um, how great he was in those two situations. I thought it was interesting to learn today that 20 of Paul Horning's 62 career touchdowns came in the fourth quarter. That's just over 32%. And of those 62 career touchdowns, 42 
came within 20 yards of the end zone. It appears that he was very good both in the clutch and in the red zone. I think that uh, I think that's just great, John. Thank you for sharing that wonderful stat with me. It's, uh, those were some good stats. I saved the good ones for you. Gary, I think that's about a show for this week. Where can the good people find us? Well, you can find us on the internet, and you can find us at www.thepowersweep.com. You can also head on over to Facebook or Twitter, search The Power Sweep in either location. We'd love to hear from you via electronic mail. Uh, and that address is thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. All of your feedback helps make John and I, helps John and I make Blue 58 and the Power Sweep better and helps make all of us smarter Packer fans. And smarter Packer fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. For Gary Zillaby, I am John Mirnick. We will see you next week on Blue 58. You know